It is literally life or death for me. I know for sure that I don't want to live. And at that point, I feel like that's when I woke up because I knew that was not me talking. Like there is no way. As me, someone who like loves life, who who cares about people, who loves her child, who, who just cares and have a very genuine loving heart and I want to die. There has to be something wrong with the situation. Welcome back to the Girl We Grow Now podcast. I'm Victoria, and today I am sharing part two of Maya's story. So I released part one of Maya's story, and if you haven't listened to it yet, please stop this episode, make sure you go listen to part one, and then come back to tune in to part two, because I want to make sure that you have the full context of Maya's story, because there's so much that we can learn from it, and she really shared her heart. She was super vulnerable, so go listen into part one and then come back and tune into part two. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into part two. Back to your married experience. So marriage was, like I said, like you, you kind of feel like you upgraded, but you feel that way for like 2.5 seconds because <laughs> then everybody knows you had sex and then that's kind of awkward. And then whenever you get around all the married people, that's kind of all they talk about is sex. And then you realize that all these married women are sexually deprived and they're mm. not happy in their marriages. And these men Men are not taught how to please women. And then you realize that you didn't just leave a ministry, like you kind of went into another society of like control because then it's all about submitting to your husband and it's about not being a nagging wife. And it's about being a step for a wife, basically, because, you know, you go to any of the married people's houses, like their their houses or their apartments look like Pinterest. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And you have to feel like you have to do that and you have to cook all the time. And you think as a woman that you're getting a little bit more freedom, but in actuality, like you just get way more ramifications for someone to judge you. Like, I remember I was pulled to the side because there's this one guy who felt like I asked Stephen for too much. What? Is that what Stephen told him? No. First off, I love that you asked me that question because I was like, did you talk to Stephen? And they're like, no. What? And I was like, okay, so why is your husband telling you to talk to me about my husband if you haven't talked to him? It's like, well, I just feel like you're just so prideful. It was always the... Always. If there was any kind of like backlash, if there's any kind of like disagreements, you're prideful, period. I had to take whatever advice they said said and ran with it because if not then I was prideful not teachable and haughty girl haughty arrogant all everything you can think of and especially being pretty and black so they were intimidated by me and at the time the person who was quote-unquote discipling me told me on our first discipling session that she was intimidated by me and this was a non-black woman who was Mm. very highly insecure so why in the hell somebody like me right Maya (laughs) (laughs) let them know you would put me in a situation where someone who feels like they have authority over me is intimidated by me and who is highly insecure and who is not black. Okay. And now she's coming to me saying that not only that I'm too much, but I also asked my husband to do too much for me. Mind you, I was pregnant. So did you go off on her? <laughs> no. So I didn't go off on her, but wow. I did tell her, girl, listen, there's so many things that I pride myself in. And I'm like, girl, I'm proud of you for that. I went off on a couple people. Girl, <laughs> all I'm saying is I think God moved me. So, so 
I don't live in San Antonio anymore, by the way. I'm in Dallas. I really honestly think that God moved me from San Antonio to spare a lot of people my wrath. Literally, I know after therapy, I was still in my PTSD state that entire time. It never shut off. It never shut off until I would say, and I will get there. So that happened, right? And then she was like, well, talk to Steve and he'll probably tell you the same thing. And I was like, bet. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> like, I know this person will never fix their mouth to say I asked them for too much because at the end of the day, like I low key, I don't want to be rude, but I take care of you too. Right. So I went home, asked him and he was appalled. He was like, what? Like you asked me for too much? Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I just really think that her husband really just did not like me because mind you, he could tell this girl how to cut her hair, what color dye her hair, what clothes she could wear. If she was allowed to have a certain amount of pillows on the bed. What? Oh. I, wish, I wish Steven would. First off, he's a very nice person. I'll give him that. You know what I'm saying? He was yeah. never controlling in that way, but he also could not be. Like there's no way he was going to be allowed to even be controlling in my life because fuck that. Mm-hmm. So I think the guy who did tell their wife to come talk to me was very, very toxic. And he also recently, girl, got in trouble for like killing somebody on a motorcycle because of road rage. Like it what? Was okay. wow. girl, oh, for sure. He had some feelings about me asking my husband to go get me stuff because apparently he he should be the person doing that. And so to him, he felt like Stephen wasn't leading in the relationship because I couldn't let him. But I was like, I begged him to. So little do you know, right. I begged this man to leave me. That just wasn't going to happen because he couldn't. It's like trying to lead like a lioness when you're, I don't know. A frog? No, just kidding. Why like, did you mean like he's so timid and nice and just yeah. like quiet? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's not to say, and this is not to knock him as a person. Right. This is not to knock him as a personality. I think that his personality is great for somebody else. Right. You know, I think that he could lead somebody that was in his realm. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, you know, like does, I'm, like, yeah. I'm, I'm a lioness and and you're not, you I know, like we're similar. Not. Like a guy who's that meek and quiet, like I would walk all over you, like it's mm-hmm. nothing. So no, yeah. like it's just and not going to play out that to. way. Right. That was the thing. I tried not. I tried so hard. I was like, okay, just lead, and it was like catastrophic shit would happen. Like to the point where I was like, damn, like <laughs> shit. You need help with that too. Like it was so stressful. And then not to good. move forward into like being a black woman, it was like I didn't have a safe space. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a place where I could feel soft and served and uplifted and taken care of, all those things because I, I had to be that role for everything. And then mind you, I got pregnant six months in to our marriage. So oh, wow. it was like trying to navigate having feelings for someone because that was my first sexual experience after being raped. And that I was not ready for that. Now looking back, I know that having sex was a trigger, like a PTSD, like real trigger for me. It's like anytime we had sex, I cried. Like, why did I cry? It was because it was my first experience after being raped. Nobody prepared me for that because nobody talks about sex because they're so afraid of somebody being impure. Like y'all are the problem. We don't talk about it. So we're going to do it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Either we're going to do it or we're going to be so far towards the unhealthy aspect of no sexual desires at all. So that when you do tap into them, any sexual trauma that you had previously is going to feel like it just happened. And I've had um, friends who got married and literally mm-hmm. were like afraid to have sex on their wedding night because of yep. all of that. Oh, my gosh, don't do don't have sex. And just mm-hmm. the things that they preach and the way that they saw sex based on how the church taught everyone to view it. It's like, yep. what? I think that's yep. part of the problem. Yeah. Like, and it's bad. Like you can say like it should be done in marriage, but yes. to teach it as bad isn't going to help anyone. Nope. And to teach it to a point to where it's like if we find out you're having 
sex and you're not married, we're going to kick you out mm-hmm. and we're going to ostracize you. And we're going to make sure that you'll never have sex with anybody else in this church again, because you're going to infiltrate the church. And then that sin is going to spread. And it's like, damn, like it was already God. spreading. So many people living double lives. So girl, girl, and not even just that, they had predators in the church too. Ew. We don't talk about that. I didn't think about thing. Yeah. And wow. they hushed that up too. That so was crazy. Like, yeah. It's like when you vilify something so much and nobody ever wants to talk about it, that's where the most people can hide. Because if you don't talk about it and you just act like you're not doing it, you're fine. Instead mm-hmm. of like you said, like actually talking about it and understanding the beauty of like being one with someone and the intimacy of that. Because then when you leave, you're going to be a hoe. <laughs> Right. And then it's normal at our age to desire that and to act like we are like some terrible person for desiring that. Yeah. It's just wild. Listen, more than just terrible, you want burning hell. Basically, (laughs) I'm like, okay, like I'm over here confessing, you're judging me, but you know how many people in your ministry are not telling you what they're doing? Like, are you kidding me? They are busting it down. Right. Living the best lives. Mm -hmm. I'm over here getting scolded for being honest. Yeah. And that's why you're not honest. (laughs) Exactly. That's how you learn how to hide because it's like, no, I know a lot of people who are lying their asses off right now, but right. they're singing on Sunday. Crazy. So. Cheating on their wa- <laughs> Just so many things I've heard. Yep. Like infidelity, yep. living double lives. And it's like, yep. so that's what you want. You'd rather people feel the need to do that because if they are honest, they know that, like you said, you'll be judged, you'll be mm-hmm. kicked out. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy that that's the yeah. alternative. Yeah. And it's real too. Like it's very real, you know, and because we were so blinded by the church, like we, we decided to go the other way and a lot of times like people like there is not a lot of people that you can talk to about it because they hear cult and they're like you're weird how did you even go into that man if i was you i would have boo 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 bye, bye. right there with us is what she you know been doing. you would have your ass right there and you would have <laughs> have got baptized too you know what i'm saying like don't sit here and right. don't think of yourself any better than me because one you have to think that a lot of people are going through a lot of things and anything can happen especially when you go into the church the culture of the church today it doesn't matter what church you're in somebody's gonna be hiding something yep exactly it's a religious abuse it's it's manipulation it's gaslit like whenever you talk to the lady there was no comfort there was gaslighting there was manipulation there was completely making you feel like you were a horrible person just because you came and told the truth yeah, she went out of her way to make me feel like a whore. And I was like, mm-hmm. but the, by the second time I went off on her and made mm-hmm. her cry, I was just so done. I couldn't take listen, it. Listen, I, I think for me, because I we're Gemini's, <laughs> 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 you know, so it's like, I know you made her cry, girl. I know I you sure did. did. I know you did. And I know for me, because I was in it longer, I can say some things that will really, really, really hurt their feelings and enjoy it. So to protect <laughs> yeah. my peace, I've tried to block as many people as I could and mm-hmm. not talk to them. And I'm happy I'm not in San Antonio because I'm dead ass girl. Some people are on site for real. For I real. can imagine. And like, thing- oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead, girl. I was going to say, the thing is, when I made her cry, so one of my friends was there who was with me, but she had also happened to invite the actual whole church leader there, the woman, Mm -hmm. and she got on me and she read, I don't even know what scripture from the Old Testament talking about how I spread my legs like Israel. I was like, excuse me? Right. As if she was just some holier than thou. No one. She was busting it down before she got married. (laughs) So that was just so crazy that she was so quick. It's like Uh they forgot they told me some of their stuff, Mm -hmm. too. I was like, so you had sex for you were married but you're Mm -hmm. judging me like interesting 
It was yep. crazy. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, the girl I was with drove. So because if it was me, I would have went off on both of them and just like rode and out. Left. But mm-hmm. I couldn't drive because the girl drove me. And I was like, dang it. I messed up. Mm-hmm. I should have drove. Because yep. they well, girl, all you know, they did it. it on purpose. They did that on purpose. True. So you couldn't leave. It's true. I didn't even think yeah. about that at the time. And it's just so crazy looking back and thinking about all that stuff. But mm-hmm. wild. I just hope that whoever listens to this podcast, they understand that Man, if we had known, I guarantee you, we would not have joined that church. If we would have known, if we would have been educated, if more people were talking about it, if if people weren't so afraid to just be like, hey, I was in a cult and this is what to look out for. I'm still a bad bitch and will always be a bad bitch. That bitch was on retirement for a little bit, but I came back. You know what I'm saying? And this is what to look out for. Like, it doesn't define you. Like, And the thing is, is that one thing about having religious trauma and having not only religious trauma, but cult trauma is that it's a hundred percent mental. A lot mm-hmm. of it's mental. Nobody's beating you. Some people were physically abused, which is really sad, but the people who weren't, you know, they one have to forgive themselves. Yeah. You know, I had to forgive myself. I had to be like, you know what, girl, you were, you were struggling with PTSD. You were not in the right mental state. And if the first thing you could think of was to go to church, like good job. Yeah. You could have went to drugs. You could have went to other men. You could have done a lot of things, you know, but that was your last sexual experience before you got married. Kudos to you girl you yes lied but now you have to recognize that mm, you messed up and that's okay that was not the best decision you know is that going to define you no but like when you're in that church like the first the main things that they really harp on are your decisions you know what kind of decision did you make like did you decide to when did you get baptized like how did you decide to get baptized when you are doing certain things are you doing it for god or are you just doing it for x y and z you know and decisions start to become a lot more heavy when you think you are deciding whether or not to be happy or go to hell mm-hmm. or you're deciding to do things that are best for you or go to hell. It's not just you're deciding to do what's best for you or you might mess up. It's like, no, like I could die tomorrow and go straight to hell. Which one am I deciding? I'm choosing hell at this point. And that's what it feels like because yeah. you're convinced that if you do whatever it is, you're going to go to hell. And after that, I feel like that's when I really started to wake up and be like, okay, girl, what do you want? That was scary for me to ask myself that question. And it makes me emotional, like thinking about it too. It's like, girl, what, what were you doing? I was just trying to survive. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's big. And I want to come back to that for sure. But I do want to ask, what was your breaking point? And was it hard to leave the church? Well, and your marriage. Did you leave them Um, both at the same time? Oh, girl. So I had a miscarriage in 2019. Oh, wow. Strangely enough, I found out I was pregnant on June 19th, which is my birthday. And then I was really just trying because... I wanted Tyler to have another sibling. But the year prior, I would say when we first moved to Dallas, I was really like, bro, I'm falling out of love with you or I just really don't like you no more. I'm really trying. But like, this is a lot for me. You're a lot. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I have to take care of everybody else and nobody has no idea how to take care of me. And I was just dealing with a lot of pressure of not only being in the church, but also the unique experience that I think that me and you and other, you know, Black females have have had in this church is that we gave up a lot more than a lot of people did. Because not Mm. only did we give up being in the world, but we also gave up our culture and we gave up our womanhood. Because a lot of them were able to function totally fine in their own culture in that church because it was dominated by white culture anyway. So I was raised in the suburbs by two people who are Black. 
Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, my daddy was driving me to elementary school with like subwoofers in the back, listening to <laughs> and we loved it. Okay. My family on both sides are in the hood projects. Okay. So I had to completely engulf myself in a culture that was not mine in order to feel safe and let me have a little bit of twang in my anything. I was ghetto. Yeah. And so then to be married to somebody who was not my race and definitely was not my culture. And he's also biracial, but all of everybody's girl, let me tell you. With Indian, right? Or no? No, girl, Mexican. Oh, I think I kind of knew that, but easy to forget, you know? Easy to forget, which is terrifying when you think about it because it's like you're half Mexican, but you can't tell. Mm. I wonder what that's about, but that's a totally different situation. That's a totally different thing. But not only was he not really culturally Mexican, but he also really idolized a lot of Asian culture as well, you know? So they were really into like Japanese culture and anime, all that kind of stuff. And so to be married to somebody who literally had no idea of my struggle of being a black woman, not only inside the church, but also outside of the church, you know, and having to fight for myself when there was somebody who didn't even know how to protect me, that was really hard. And he was a very nice person. So to tell anybody in the church that I wasn't happy, I would either get back that, oh, he's not cheating on you. He doesn't beat you. He's a good man. Like he's good with Tyler. Like you're, you're telling me all these things that he's supposed to do. Why does he get accolades for something he's supposed to do when I have to go above and beyond in order to feel happy or to feel satisfied or whatever it is? I have to go above and beyond for y'all to not think that I'm being a nagging person, but let him go to church every Sunday and not cheat on me and beat on me. And he's a good man. Right. Wow. It's the patriarchy that you mentioned. patriarchy. And so we tried, got pregnant the first time. I'm a very fertile bitch. So that's why I got to be careful now. (laughs) I do not want to have a baby, you know? Right. Yeah. Every time I tried, I got pregnant. So this time I got pregnant and I was pregnant on my birthday and had a miscarriage, I think four weeks after. And Mm -hmm. um, at that time, there was two other girls who got pregnant literally two weeks apart from me. And we were all going to this marriage class at the time. And the marriage class was so traumatizing because you had homework to do. Homework? About what? Girl, girl, trying to basically be closer as a couple. And the husband was supposed to lead it at home. And did he ever do anything at home? Girl, no. We were in the car five minutes before scribbling in our books trying to figure out something. And that was like embarrassing for me because there's one time we got there late and we didn't have time to scribble. So he just had to go up there and be like, we didn't do nothing. So embarrassing. I know. So it's not to dog him, but it's just really to talk facts. I mean, honestly, like that's what happened. And so at the time, there are two other people that had that were pregnant at the same time as me. And so this is a key detail, by the way. So I had the miscarriage. I was nannying two kids at the time, also watching Tyler. One of the kids I was nannying was a baby. And so I had that miscarriage on Thursday. And then I was back watching the children on Monday because wow. they didn't have anybody else to watch their kids. And so I'm looking at a baby as I'm mourning the loss of my own and also wow. asking mm-hmm. for help from my husband who doesn't know how to help me. And at that point, my mental health was literally gone. I had been fighting for my life mentally for that entire marriage. But like after that, it's like having a miscarriage. And as a woman, that is hard in and of itself. I'm a very pro-choice person, you know, so every 
woman I believe should have that decision, but I didn't have my decision. So I was mm-hmm. mad at God and I was mad just at the situation. And I remember I was talking to somebody about it and they were like, Maya, but you have to forgive yourself. Like you were really stressed out at the time, you know? And I was like, are you trying to say I was so stressed out that I lost my baby? Like, oh, is wow. that to comfort me? And in the same breath, you're telling me that my husband's a good husband because he's not cheating on me and he's not beating me. Okay. Wow. Like, oh, okay. So then I was like, okay, I can't watch your kid no more. This is probably not good for nobody involved because I'm struggling with trying to navigate this. But then at the same time in the marriage class, like I told the leaders, I lost my baby or whatever. And they were like, oh, well, we probably shouldn't tell anybody, you know, <gasps> like, Why? keep it to yourself. You know, like we understand if you need anything, whatever. Fast forward to September. One of the girls that were pregnant with us, she were more far along, but she lost her baby. And so we were at a marriage retreat, no, a women's retreat. And everyone's gathered around praying for the sister. And oh, wow. If y'all need anything, care packages, all this stuff. Wow. For that same sister who was pregnant at the same time as me because her child was further along than mine. That is wild. Yeah. And so it was a combination of that. And then I wanted a puppy. Why do you think I wanted a puppy, girl? Just, you know, just. Compa- you, know. you needed it. A companionship. You were struggling. Exactly. So I don't like dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. You don't like dogs. And that's what you turned to because you literally felt like you had no one else. Exactly. Wow. Well, at the same time, it's like, as my husband, you don't think to be like, babe, let's wait maybe a year. Like, I know maybe you're stressed out. You maybe just want a puppy because you need someone. I get it. Like, maybe we should wait. You would think that someone who is your partner would be able to cognitively say that. But for him, he's thinking, well, that's good. You know? Then the dog dog that we get is a really, really crazy dog. Has lots of energy. Mind you, I don't know anything about dogs. I don't like dogs. (laughs) Has crazy energy. Needs to be out 24-7. Barks all the time. Runs around all the time. Oh, man. All this stuff. So that was the dog that I got. Unbeknownst to me. And then weeks later, I'm talking to him and I'm like, man, this dog is a lot. You know, like this is a lot for me. Also having to deal with the miscarriage, taking care of these kids and having to take care of a puppy being a stay-at-home mom by myself. I'm complaining to him about it. And he's like, yeah, I always wondered like why you wanted that dog. Like I, I knew that those dogs are a lot. And he didn't say anything? Nothing. Oh my gosh. And at that point I was like, I'm going to kill myself if I don't leave. Because I was like, okay, I can't have a baby. I hate this church. I'm miserable. My husband is not helpful by any means. And I have to help him. And he also struggled. This is not to talk about him in a bad way. I just think that he and I just weren't compatible. He just grew up very differently than I did. But there'll be times where Valentine's Day would come up and he would forget to give me a gift or dates, Mm. barely went on a date. There was no real romantic side of our relationship, which is another trauma for me. Because it's like, you're my husband. The least you're supposed to do is make me feel loved. And I didn't feel that from him at all, not even a little bit. And so it was a combination of all those things. And then I'm going to the marriage. I went to the women's retreat and then just hearing them go off as they should, you know, like, yeah, surround this sister with love and prayer. But like in my head, I'm like, my baby wasn't worth at least a prayer. Mm-hmm. Like I have to go back to this class knowing I had a miscarriage oh. and you knew about it and I didn't tell anybody because you felt like it wasn't necessary. But then I'm going to like a retreat a month later and you're praying for this one sister who should have been prayed for because she lost her baby. Everybody knows everyone's sending her gifts and all this kind of stuff. And it was a lot. And I thought maybe, you know, like you go to retreat, you get like a spiritual high or whatever, but it was probably the most, one of the most depressing retreats I have ever gone to. I couldn't stop crying. And then just to put the icing on the cake, I go to get in my car to leave and my car doesn't start. Oh man. And everyone else is gone and only like two people stay and I have to wait. And it's like in the middle of the woods to find, like wait for AAA to come and give me a jump and all this kind of stuff. 
stuff. And then I finally get home. I can't stop anywhere because I'm afraid that my battery is going to die. So I had to just go straight home. And I got home and on my way home, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. It is literally life or death for for me. I I know for sure that I don't want to live. And at that point, I feel like that's when I woke up because I knew that was not me talking. Like there was no way. And me, someone who like loves life, who, who cares about people, who loves her child, who just cares and have a very genuine loving heart and I want to die, there has to be something wrong with this situation. And I was like, if there is a Satan, that probably is the main thing that he wants me to do is kill myself. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I went home. Steve was like, oh, how was the retreat? I was like, sit, sit down. <laughs> sit down. It wasn't good. And I don't want to be with you anymore. Oh, nope. What was his response? I'm pretty sure he was in shock, but I, I just told him, I was like, listen, I can't, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to get worse. I don't know if I want to leave the church, but I know I can't be with you anymore. I cannot be tied to you because coming home from such a rough situation, I knew I was not going to come home to comfort. I knew I wasn't going to come home to somebody who knew how to help me. You know, like if I'm in my most vulnerable state and you're asking me what I need, we've been together for five years. You don't know by now. Man, (laughs) I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Like that, that's a lot. It's a lot. lot. It was a lot. But I think that me wanting to die also made me want to live. Mm. And at that point, I just knew I had to do something different because I felt like, you know, my safe haven ended up being a jail and solitary confinement. And I had to figure out how to leave. And I had to stop caring about everybody else. I mean, honestly, I feel like if I didn't have Tyler, I don't know what I would have done, to be honest. But I knew that having her was enough for me to go through everything that I went through. Everything. And I was like, okay, well, I can't regret my life because I have my baby. But I have to change it. (laughs) I have to change it because I know for sure being married to this man, being a part of this church and being a stay-at-home mom all made led me to wanting to die. So I can't have anything to do with the things that led me to wanting to die because that's just not me. It's not anything that I would have ever thought I would get to. And I just felt like at that point I had to wake up. And that was a part of my, it was almost like the trauma kind of woke me up. Yeah. It was a lot. It was. So what was the aftermath of leaving the church and getting out of your marriage? So I know you said you weren't really sure at the time if you wanted mm-hmm. to leave the church or get divorced. So right. just walk us through that. So when we moved to Dallas in 2017, I was a senior in college and I had already applied and, and got accepted to graduate, but Stephen found his dream job in Dallas. And so I was encouraged to follow my husband. Of course. So I never got my degree and I hadn't worked since we got engaged. And so I had literally nothing, nothing, no nickel to my name. Every bit of money that we had was his that he made and it went to our expenses. And so I didn't have anything of my own. And so the best thing I could have done was move to the other room. And that's what I did. And even though we weren't divorced, I was separated. So I was trying to explore talking to other people and I- In the church or just wherever? No, outside of the church. So this is when I was like, what do I want to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is there to do? And I started talking to this one guy and I went on a date with him and we, we had sex. And then I went home and I cried myself to sleep because I actually had feelings. 
And I was like, oh, that's what this feels like. That's what sexual desire feels like. That's what emotional connection feels like. That's what intimacy felt like. It wasn't just like, oh, I really care about this person. Like, let's do it. You know, it was like, Mm -hmm. this nigga is fine. And yeah. Physical chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. We we kept talking after that, but it was, girl, I was not trying to date nobody. And honestly, I was going working through my trauma of dating black people again because I just wasn't attracted to them anymore. You weren't attracted to black people anymore? No, no, I wasn't. And that broke my soul because I just love black people so much. Like I really love them. I love black men. I just, the attraction gene took a long time to come back. But once it did, that was was it. That was it. It was great. So leaving the church, I talked to them. I let them know we were separated and, you know, they tried everything they could to convince me I was going to go to hell if we got divorced. You know, I met with them a couple of times and told them why I was unhappy. They understood, but they would tell me it's not enough for me to get divorced. He had to either beat me or cheat on me for me to get a divorce. And, you know, they would tell me several stories about women who were in emotionally abusive relationships, physically abusive relationships. Their husbands cheated on them, but they still stayed. Not a good thing. Like, no, it's not. It's, it's not. And I would tell them, can you honestly tell me that if I told you that if Stephen told you that he felt disrespected, that he felt like I nagged him all the time, all these things that a wife shouldn't do other than cheating on him and beating him. Do you really think y'all would tell him to stay? Mm-mm. Hell no. Right. So if you cannot honestly tell me that you would tell Stephen to stay or at least get brothers to talk to him and let him know that what he do- was doing was not okay. If you can't even do that, then I know for sure you don't give a fuck about me because I literally told you I wanted to die. And if you think that what he's doing is not that bad, then why do I want to die? Yeah. Why do I not want to be here anymore if I feel this unhappy in my marriage? Did they ever acknowledge the fact that you said that? Who, Steve? No, that you said like you want to die. Like, did they ever acknowledge that? Mm -mm. Try to get you help? Oh my gosh. Mm -mm. Crazy. But they care about you, right? No, that's why I told them. I was like, y'all don't care about me. There's no way. This is when I went off on one of them. I never cussed her out, but like I was on the brink and that's when I told her, don't ever talk to me again. I'm going to cuss you hell out. (laughs) Um, But I had to tell her, I was like, listen, I just cried my eyes out to you and your response is not enough. You can get the fuck out of my face before I say something rude to you because how dare you see me cry tell you how unhappy I am and you can say that's not enough for you to leave. Okay, cool. Well, don't call me no more. Right. <laughs> you know, don't talk to me. And honestly, in the beginning, I didn't want to get a divorce. I was hoping that he could work on himself because honestly, I was fully convinced that he was depressed or something was wrong with him because you cannot sit here and tell me that you don't care about nothing and you just can't really figure out how to be an adult. But at the same time, you're happy. There's just no way. I'm sorry. I just know. I watch you. I'm looking at you. You need help. And eventually it came out. He finally confessed to me that he really didn't care about if he lived or died since he was like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you made me feel like I was crazy for thinking something was wrong with you. Wow, so yeah. Like This is months after I had moved out and he realized I was not going to come back. But in the beginning, I was like, okay, I don't want to do marriage counseling. You need to go to therapy. I'm going to go to therapy myself. And I think before we can even think about marriage, we really need to be healthy on our own. Yeah. And they told me I was being very selfish for doing that. And 
how like it wasn't fair to Steve that I didn't want to do marriage counseling. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you, you know, like, and there's no way this man's going to be able to love me if he doesn't love himself. So if if he wants to love anybody else, he needs to go to therapy to learn how to love himself because he doesn't love himself. And you're not going to sit here and convince me that just because he's nice, that he's a good person. No. So yeah, he never went to therapy. Wow. He never went. He he didn't start going to therapy until I think maybe like eight months after we separated, but I was already moved out and in my own job at that point. I was like, bro, like I gave you years. Remember, like before we moved to Dallas, we were having issues and I was like, I'm not happy. Like, can we figure something out? It's not that hard Mm -hmm. for you to find a flower. It's not that hard to go on a date. It's really not that hard for you to remember to give me a gift for my birthday. I'm sorry. Especially if you're asking, like, okay, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But if you ask and he's still not doing it, then at that point, I felt very used by him as well. Like I felt like very used by a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people use my talents and like my just my personality and my light to get a piece of it. Like everyone wanted a piece of me, but I didn't have anybody that was really in my corner to just be like, you all right? But that point, I had to be that for myself and for my child. Yeah. So that happened. And so 2020 comes around. I move out and uh, the pandemic happens. (laughs) And that's when you had already left the church completely. Yeah. So I had left the church. Actually, I wasn't completely gone. I think I was like still trying to do something. But then when the pandemic happened and nobody was really able to go to church, I wasn't really going to anything. And that's when that lady called me and was basically like, hey, like, well, I think it's good that the pandemic happened. It makes people really focus on themselves and their own relationship with God. And I was like, well, yeah, I tried to do that. Y'all tried to say I was sinful. And then she was like, well, yeah. And I was like, if you don't get off the phone now, I'm going to cuss you out. Hardcore cuss you out. Don't call me. And she was calling me just to see if I was going to be a part of a Bible talk. I'm like, you wasn't calling me, check up on me. You wasn't calling me about nothing. Y'all was losing membership and y'all was losing contribution. But I didn't want anybody and everybody to figure out when they was coming to church, girl, they did some real off the wall stuff. I believe it. (laughs) I did the same thing in Houston. The same thing. I remember I left and then I ended up coming back. But when I came back, I was like, you know what? Ain't no one going to talk to me crazy. I'm going to stick up for Mm -hmm. myself. So I remember I came back and I told Mm -hmm. the leader, I was like, I'm not giving contribution because I'm not paying any of y'all salary because I just Mm -hmm. don't feel like y'all are using it properly. And she was like, oh. Yeah, they weren't. That's the thing though. I was like, I kept it real. I was like, not doing it. So Mm -hmm. don't ask. Don't ask. And listen, like they don't take that very well anyway. But yeah, so, oh, and that's when something just told me, don't do it yet because you need insurance. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, so I listened because mind you, I felt like I was old that I didn't get my degree because of you. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had no job experience. The least you can do is give me a year to get myself together, get insurance, all this kind of stuff before like getting a divorce lately. And then September, I had to have emergency surgery and I was attached oh, to a machine wow. for four and a half months after that. So what kind of machine? Only- like a breathing no. So I had to have emergency surgery to get a benign cyst removed. And it was about the size of a golf, not a golf ball, of a grapefruit. Wow. Um, and so since it was so large, the wound had to heal from the inside out. So I had like a grapefruit size hole in my tailbone and it had to heal from the inside out. And they had to put me on a wound back for four months. So a machine that was attached to me that basically like vacuum suctioned it, like drained it. I had a home health nurse come and change it for me twice a week. I had to go to the hospital once a week for four months. And I developed high blood pressure because of stress. I had to deal with two infections because of malpractice from one of my PAs. Wow. Um, Oh my gosh. 
And then just a combination of all those things. I should not have been taking care of myself, but I was. And that was a very, very traumatizing experience on top of dealing with the pandemic and separation and leaving a cult. So girl, you've definitely been through it, but came out strong. I will say that. But did you lose any of your friends when you left the church? I know it was during the pandemic. So maybe it was Uh a little bit weird, but like, how was that? Yes, 100%. I think eventually because I went through so much, I had to go through my shit. I didn't have the opportunity to stuff anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. At that point, my trauma meter was off the chart. I had to deal with the trauma. And because of that, it was very much so in my friend's face that I was going through a lot of stuff. And there was no more time for strong Maya. Strong Maya didn't show up anymore. Like weak Maya showed up. Traumatized Maya showed up. And that's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like that was, it was fine, but not to people who only saw me as strong. Wow. Yeah. Um, Not to people who also were very much going through their same stuff. Whenever Maya was strong, she could help you and give you great advice and be there for you and sacrifice everything to be there by your side. But no, I couldn't do that anymore. And I think that people either just got used to me not being able to be there for them, that it was either, oh, I'm busy or I'm going through my own stuff or you're changing, you're different or, oh, we're friends. You know, we don't have to talk all the time. Like we're friends. And I'm like, who said, you know what I'm saying? Like who said we don't have to talk all the time? Like when I'm going literally statistically divorce is a bigger grief than death because your life is literally completely changing. Someone's leaving your life. They're still alive. And a lot of people don't survive that or they get remarried soon after. They either die, they get remarried or they're completely different and changed from it. And so I was going through literally one of the hardest times in my life and they're still going to Bible talk with him or I'm calling Tyler to see how she's doing and she's at their house with their husbands doing a Bible talk event that I didn't know about. Um, So it was like, it was the insensitivity because after we separated, then Stephen just happened to get super close with their husbands. And because Stephen was a good friend to their husbands, Stephen was going to be a part of their life. And it's like, well, I was a good friend to you before that. Right. You know, I was there for you through all of your shit. Literally everything you could think of, I was there for you for. And I was so miserable to the point where I wanted to die and you had no idea. Yeah. And I'm wow. sitting here helping you with your stuff. I'm helping you with your relationship shit. Mind you, I'm miserable in mine. You know, so it was like, it was one of those things where it's like, I feel like people, like I said, they, including in my marriage, I felt very used. And at that point I had to fight for myself and people were like, you changed. And I was like, damn right. I wear mm-hmm. that pride and honor. Love and it. no, you can't have access to me. No more. No, I'm not going to give you advice about p- stupid petty shit when I'm trying to stay alive. No. Uh-uh. Wow. No. I love that. You had to put yourself first and it sounds mm-hmm. like it was about time. Yeah. And I think it was hard for a lot of people because I was no longer willing to sacrifice myself for the betterment of anybody else besides my kid. I didn't give a damn about being in a relationship. I didn't give a damn about the church. I didn't give a damn about Christianity. I didn't give a damn about anything. Like at that point, I was in survival mode, like for real, for real. Like my health was on the line. My mental health was shot. My relationship with God was absolutely horrible and it was not Tyler's fault. Right. So I felt like at that point, nobody else mattered besides me and Tyler. And it was true. Like that was the truth. And I didn't really care 
care at that point about who was going to be in my life because I felt like whoever I was going to be, whoever was meant to be in my life at that point was going to be in my life. And that was it. You know, Very I had true. to stop trying to control God. I had to stop trying to control anybody but myself. The only person I had control over was myself. And at that point I had lost control and I needed to get it back no matter what. I didn't give a fuck about somebody being mad because I'm shaking my ass on Saturday. Mind your business. You yep. Know? Mind the business that pays you. <laughs> like, uh, if I'm dropping it down low and busting it down with some fine ass nigga that I met, why do you care? You know, I just figured out that I actually can get guys that I like. I hear you, girl. I hear you after you get out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to figure it all out on your own. Yeah. And it's sad because it's a very lonely thing because everything you believed and lived for for such a long time and sacrifice, not only friendships, previous real friendships, sacrifice those for fake friendships and fake people who didn't really give a fuck about my well-being at all. I had to go from that to who am I? Like, what do you want? Like, oh, do I want to go to school? What kind of job do I want? Who are my friends? They're judging me because I'm trying to figure my life out right now. I don't have time for that. It was probably, I would say, leaving the church and leaving my marriage and all those things, it felt like I was going into a time capsule. I was coming out of my time capsule into a whole completely different world and having to navigate life as a 27-year-old, but with a 20-year-old mindset. I can only imagine because I feel that is true. I feel like you do kind of like you don't really progress in a normal way like age-wise mm-hmm. when you're in that church. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. It's You're not allowed to. Like progression is not warranted because if you progress, that means control is slipping away and yeah. they need their people to be in their lane. And if they're in their lane, they make money. But as soon as people start to get out of their lane, they gaslight them, manipulate them. And if they don't listen, they either kick them out or they leave. And that's the cycle of life. But then when you leave and you realize everything about your life was based in this white westernized religion and patriarchy and you go into this fully colorful world that's fighting for women's rights and civil rights and all these things and you're figuring out yourself and that you're grown you're a grown ass motherfucking woman yes I'm grown at that point it's like nah I'm snatching all of this shit back I gave y'all way too much say in my life and at one point it was like okay I'm waking up I'm realizing who I am I'm realizing what I don't like what I do like Uh, like I would tell myself I'm just really trying to get to know the person God made I'm really considering myself religious anymore definitely believe in God honestly the more I read my Bible the more I realized them people was full of shit they were the Pharisees in the Bible that's who they were oh my god they were the Pharisees like no other like like on steroids girl (laughs) to the point to where I was like whoa like okay because you you read all the stuff in the Bible I'm like y'all would never survive an ICLC there's no way possible you survive there so I felt like for me it was my personal duty like my purpose in life to really fall in love with God's creation because at that point I felt like I was just giving a huge fuck you to God by not loving myself I'm literally Mm. telling God "Mm, you could have done better sorry no the people that you naturally make me desire aren't aren't good enough or the things that I actually want to do in my life no they're not good enough or my personality is not good enough my weight's not good enough nothing's good enough I have to die to myself though myself has to die and God's like well first off I gave you all those things for a reason. And if you would just love yourself, I can kind of guide you to where I, re- I really need you to be. You know, you're, you're focused on hating yourself and I need you to love yourself. Yes, yeah, so it's powerful. 
that was a huge, huge catalyst to the reason that I am the person that I am right now because I was able to lose 60 pounds. Like I was yes, able to- girl, I love that. Thank you. Like I was able to really get to know myself. And I feel like right now I'm on the cusp of being more financially secure and being more in the state of life that I want to be in. But I really had to be very protective of God's creation. I had to be like, you know, what do you want to do, girl? You want to do makeup? Do it. Who cares if you don't have a degree? Like who cares if you don't do what everybody else does? Like, did you bomb? You know, yeah. like you're great at what you do. You are beautiful. Your personality is great. Like who, who says that that's not what you were meant to do? And I think at that point, it was more just building my intuition and building you know, what we talk about the Holy Spirit. It's like, I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit at all. Not even a little bit. And it was because my internal voice became self-hatred. It became being so worried about what other people thought, what other people were going to do if I was going to go to hell. And I feel like that was more of my God being more focused on going to hell rather than just living my life. Yeah. You know? And I feel like once I was able to really just fall in love with myself, I was able to see that these people not only didn't care about me, but they wanted me to be where I was. Like these people were very jealous of me. And a lot of people that were in my corner, they were just mean. They were mean people. And you are a victim, (laughs) you know, like we are victims to religious abuse. And I think as black women to not only be a victim of this society, to be victim of sexism, to be a victim of racism, to be a victim of patriarchy and classism and all these things, not only religious abuse, the one place where you think you're supposed to go to be one, you you get abused there, it felt very much so like, okay, bitch, you you checked off all the boxes of the stereotypes. Now you're a single mom, you're divorcee, you're black, you're overweight, you know, you didn't graduate college, like you mm. were part of a cult. Like it's like the list goes on. It's like, yeah, is that it? Like, is that all you're gonna allow yourself to be? No, there's no way. I survived all that shit. The least I can do is love myself. The yeah. least I can do is pat myself on the back and be like, God, thank you for making me a strong, a strong woman. Thank you for making me black. Thank you for making me resilient. And and I'm going to make little Maya proud, period. Yes. Teenage Maya proud. I'm going to make young adult Maya proud. I got out. That's not going to define me. I got out of a marriage that I felt like I was lost in. Okay. So does that mean I'm never going to get married again? No, nope. It just means I know what to look for and what I'm not going to look for, what I'm not going to deal with. Like dating, very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I bet it's so different now, girl. But yeah, dating has been a learning experience. I gave myself the leeway to do whatever the fuck I wanted to do. I feel like for me, it was very freeing. No, I wasn't out here just busting it down. You know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't doing that, but I gave myself... I told myself I was not going to date or talk to anybody I wasn't attracted to. Like if I didn't think they were fine, I wasn't going to talk to them. And two, I wasn't going to actually be with somebody that I didn't think that it was my decision. Like if I didn't care if I left, if at that point on, you know, like we had sex or we went on a date, if I felt like at any point I couldn't leave mm -mm, because I wanted to figure out what I wanted and lots of fuck boys, lots of non-fuck boys, lots of learning. Like I feel like I should have learned this in my early 20s, you know, and instead I was going to worship practice and retreats. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I feel like now I am dating, you know, and I am able to really navigate like what it looks like to actually like someone and care for someone and argue and make up and Oh, you're in a relationship. I'm not. We're good. Okay. 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 Got No label. Okay. Got it. Got it. As long as you're happy. That's what matters. Yeah. And I think that in this situation, I've learned a lot about myself 
And I think that that's been the really huge catalyst to myself, just really giving myself, you know, that scripture that talks about, and mind you, I'm not very religious, but I do think that the Bible is probably one of the most least religious books. <laughs> I'm saying like, mm-hmm. I really feel like the, the more you read it, the more you realize like how much God really was just teaching us how to be humans. But anyways, like there's a scripture that talks about just being like children yes. and how much children are just sponges and they're learning. And when they fall, they get back up. Like who sees a one-year-old who's trying to learn how to walk, give up? Nobody, no, yeah. a one-year-old. Like when they fall, they get up. When they're, you know, they see dirt and they put it in their mouth. Like that, they're not scared of doing that because they're just learning. And I think I had to get that back to that place of just being like a child and not being stupid, obviously, like using the things that I've learned, but also at the same time, like giving myself the opportunity to get to know myself, but then also make mistakes. Okay. That nigga was a fuck boy. Don't do that no more. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like that was a fuck boy. Or, you know, maybe you don't need to join like a club to feel involved. Just having like a good group of girlfriends is enough. You know what I'm saying? Because having all these extra personalities and, you know, it's too much pressure. But I feel like once I told myself, bitch, you are right. You are a good person you do have good intentions. Like, no, you're not. Every inclination about you is not bad. There's a, there's a such thing as good and evil. I was always constantly worried about doing the right thing that I forgot about what's good. You know, mm-hmm. like, right is relative. Good and evil, those things are pretty set in stone. Like, we know what's good and we know what's evil. And so I feel like once I made that that switch over to just being someone who is getting to know God's creation, understanding more about myself. Like, what do I like? What do I not like? Sexually being free as a rape victim is freedom in in and of itself. And for someone who hasn't been, some of my friends never have been sexually assaulted. So it's like, you can never understand how powerful it is for me to decide who I want to have sex with. Mm -hmm. It's not for you to understand. It was almost like ownership. Like I'm going to take ownership of my life now. God gave me Maya. You got your voice back. They silenced it and you got it back. Yep. They silenced it. And the world silenced it. I feel like the church silenced it even more. I think that to people who want to oppress, I was definitely a threat. So I see why I had such a hard time in the church was because like, you really couldn't kick me out. The only choice you really had was for me to leave because I wasn't fucking nobody. You know, like I was still mm-hmm. doing the right thing. I didn't cuss. I, I was a Bible talk leader. I never told anybody to do anything crazy. Like, and you're not going to convince me to go tell nobody what to do. You know, I'm like, yo, exactly. No, yeah. You wouldn't be having a church. You wouldn't be meeting every Sunday and making everybody come to church because where do they do that? in the Bible. Yeah. The midweek, the Bible talk, the devotional. <laughs> that yeah, yeah. Like robbing, they will always talk about robbing Peter and giving to Paul. Like you're doing that. You're doing that. I didn't see you down in the downtown San Antonio unless it was to volunteer for volunteering day. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all didn't have a church down there with poor people. Y'all had a church down there with rich people because that's how you made your salary. You know, because I saw a lot of stuff and behind the scenes when you're in leadership, you see a lot of things and you notice that this is a machine, a very well oiled machine. And once you realize that you're just a part in the machine, uh, I think I'll I think I'll leave. But yeah, it's, it was definitely getting my voice back 100 percent dealing with a lot of trauma, waking up from my PTSD, like and recognizing myself again. And honestly, I look at those pictures and I, I've deleted a lot of them, honestly, because I feel like I don't identify with that woman at all. And honestly, dating like my friend, he he jokes with me sometimes about the church, but it's like, man, you have no I 
idea. <laughs> you know, I, like you have, usually don't. Like you have no idea how much this is not a thing. Like, or being having a husband, it's like, oh, was that an issue? If only you knew how much of an issue that wasn't. But it's not for you to understand because you have no idea what it's like to be in an environment like that where you feel so much pressure to get married. Other people in the world, they get married because they love that person. Or you're rich and you're not that. So, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I half the people got married because they wanted to have sex. <laughs> exactly. Either they wanted to have sex or they wanted to get out of the campus ministry. One of those, literally. And it's like, I was the spokesperson for so many fucking women who were miserable in their marriages that got advice. And I just felt so bad for them because everyone, like, most of the women felt very neglected in their marriages. Of course, they were having babies because they were trying to co- overcompensate for the neglect that they felt from their husbands. And that was just the, that was the fact of the matter, period. And for me, I think the reason why people had, I just wasn't happy. And for them, they did weigh with their happiness a long time ago. Wow. And I had the audacity to want to be happy. How dare you? I had the audacity to want to feel loved. Yeah, that was a lot. Because I think if they couldn't have condoned me leaving, because they would have had to really deal with that and themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like most yeah. of them had to deal with husbands that were addicted to porn, had to deal with husbands that were pedophiles, had to deal with husbands that were, you know, neglected them and, and didn't necessarily care about them in general. Mm-hmm. Like they had to deal with all those things and they had to be happy with it and learn how to be happy with it. I remember they would tell me, give Stephen five to 10 years with the Holy Spirit and he'll be the best husband you can think of. And I was like, no, I would be old with five kids. And at that point I couldn't leave. Yeah. Wow. That's no. terrible advice. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. It's like a girl, five to 10 years with the Holy Spirit. Really? That's all you got? <laughs> you know, like that's what you're going to tell me. It's five to 10 years with the Holy Spirit. No accountability, no remorse, no readiness to see justice done. Oh, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like there was none of that. There was, you're going to be okay. You guys are two imperfect people trying to get to head. Okay. Well, I can do that by myself. <laughs> okay. I, don't have to be, I don't have to be married to go to heaven, but right. they tried to convince me that if I got a divorce that basically no man can separate that. So if I'm married one time, then I'm married forever. And if I were to get remarried, then I'll be committing adultery. And if I never got a divorce, then I'll be married an adulterous woman and I would die in adultery and I'll go to hell. Dang. They really did go there. And that's a lot. They dug out. (laughs) What advice would you give to others to try to help them avoid being sucked into a toxic or cult-like religion or just group in general? My main advice would be to stay true to yourself and your intuition matters. Honestly, go with your gut, period. I think anybody who's anybody who's joined that church didn't feel right about it at one point during the Bible studies or when they met them, just it's too good to be true. That is true. (laughs) Because I feel like a lot of people I know studied the Bible more than once. So they started, Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. were like, what is this? They left and they came back. I feel like that was my situation. I know you said you went Mm -hmm. once or twice and you left and came back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Trust the intuition. Yeah, trust your gut. And at the end of the day, if you only focus on doing what's best for you and you're open to being wrong, I think that you'll never find yourself in the situation that we were in. Because I think that at the end of the day, it's like when you realize you're a human, perfection is no longer the goal. Just being joyful and having most experience that you can have while you're here, that's the goal. But when you take away your humanity and you replace it with religion, you become something that is unattainable. And I would just give anybody who is dealing 
with any kind of religious trauma or any kind of religious church or entity that makes you feel like you have to do away with yourself in order to be happy. Recognize that God made you you for a reason. And when he knit you together in your mother's room, for you to say that he didn't do a good job, that's between you and God at that point. Mm. And let nobody else convince you otherwise. You're a good person. You try and do the right thing. And at the end of the day, you're going to make mistakes learn from it. But if it looks too good to be true, it is. Nobody's going to be able to bring you the happiness, that true self-fulfillment and true like self-love will bring you. The world literally capitalizes off of us not loving ourselves, including cults. Well, that's so true. So uh, what are you doing now? Like, are you happy? (laughs) Like, just tell us. Like, this Mm -hmm. is a lot, I feel like. It sounds like you overcame it. So I'm Mm -hmm. proud of you. I'm happy for you. So just tell us how you are now. Now I'm dating, which is good. Um, He gets on my nerves, but it's a (laughs) It's a really good thing. It's a good learning experience for me. I moved back home. I'm not ashamed to say that. Go Um, home too. So I hear you. Period. I think especially as millennials, y'all go home. Right. The inflation is not right. (laughs) Go home. You are going to pay with it with your mental health, but just, you know, get get through. Get you a good therapist and recognize that, you know, you're going to be all right. Check. Got the therapist and you're right. right. (laughs) Get your therapist and have some good friends and boundaries and you're going to be okay. So I'm going to esthetician school um, to get my esthetician license. And to in the future, my goal is to have my own beauty bar. If we want to follow your journey, where can we find you? My uh, Instagram is Maya Sherelle Beauty. And so, yeah, I'm just really trying to promote myself on that. Um, really trying to date, be happy with dating, be happy with my health. And I feel like that whole journey, I really taught myself how to eat healthy. And the self-love journey really led me to myself and my passions and my desires. And I feel like now I'm not necessarily where I want to be, but I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. And yes. I'm okay with not being okay. And when I'm okay, I'm happy with being okay. It's no longer like afraid of, oh my gosh, like something bad's going to happen. It's like, no, just if you're happy, bitch, be happy. <laughs> so yeah, just you know, really trying to focus on Tyler. She's incredible. Oh my god, my kid. Thank you. Uh, she's she's a cutie pie, and I think that you know, looking back, I don't regret anything because I think I was able to learn a lot of things that's going to be able to really help the generation that comes before us especially with my kid, but also like with, you know, my social media and, you know, just trying to be in a space that I know I can speak life into people. I feel like that's my biggest goal. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing now, girl. I'm trying. <laughs> yes, I love that. You literally mentioned everything that we talk about on this podcast, self-love, following <laughs> your passion, trying to be happy, just really strengthening mm-hmm. that relationship with yourself because that is mm-hmm. basically the key to every other relationship in your life. So I love that for you. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that you are doing better and that you're happy yeah. that you got out of that hot mess. Mm-hmm. Happy we both did. Really. Thank you, man. For real. And if anybody... <laughs> does know anyone that I'm sure you do. I know somebody's known somebody. Just love them. Love up on them because when they leave, they're going to need you. Yeah. Like they're going to need you to just love on them. And yeah, if there's anybody who's thinking about leaving, leave, hit me up on Instagram. Let me know, <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll to you, you know, like you have me, you have Toria and you know, whoever else is yes. who's left 
we have our own little community being built, which is cool. It's hard, but you you got this. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much for being vulnerable, for sharing all this time with what? us because we definitely went over. So I am just so grateful. <laughs> and I know that this is going to resonate with people and help a lot of people. So I'm excited to share this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful for it. And you're doing an amazing job. I love seeing and hearing your podcast. You're doing amazing. Keep doing it. Love to see it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you all for tuning into this week's episode. If you really loved the episode and you felt like it resonated with you, be sure to share the love and share the episode with a friend. Also, if you could take a minute and head to the review section wherever you listen to your podcast and leave me a review, letting me know what you're loving about these episodes and which topics you want to hear next. That way, I can make sure that I continue creating episodes that you love. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next week, bye, grown girl gang.